guided exclusively by reason, an independent man, and a man of great self-esteem. And certainly an ideal man would never permit himself to act on the guidance of emotions or to act without knowing exactly what he's doing. Welcome to the South Bimsview podcast. That was the voice of Ayn Rand, the author of The Fountainhead and Atlas Shrugged, two huge novels which preached the philosophy of objectivism, which is based on the stark idea that human knowledge and values are totally objective and that each individual is solely responsible for achieving their own happiness or success. Any idea that they owe society anything is completely irrational. It's a philosophy which is at the heart of the modern neoliberal project. It celebrates laissez-faire capitalism and dictates that government or social movements are bad. Everything, and I mean everything, must be left to the market with as little regulation as possible. Okay, that sounds very heavy, and it is, if you take it too seriously. In this episode, we were going to attempt to make fun of it, only it's proved very difficult. Our Department of Satire Studies studied Rand and her followers in the world of technology, people like Jeff Bezos, Peter Thiel, Elon Musk and Mark Zuckerberg, and found that they liked Rand's teachings because it made them feel powerful. Their success is down solely to their own determination, intelligence, brilliance and strategic acumen. Well, at least that's what Rand preaches. He's not responsible for other men and should never permit them to assume the role of responsibility for him. He should not ask others to leave for his sake, nor should he ever leave for the sake of others. Now, Rand is far from funny, but satire isn't about comedy, not entirely. It's about harnessing laughter by pointing out the absurdity of a situation or a philosophy or what rulers and leaders do and say. And the point is to spark action. Satire can be an offensive weapon by causing the rich and powerful offence. It sparks action through ridicule, which leads to outrage. But the foundation of satire must always be fact. Reality is always funnier than fantasy. And the reality is, many of the people we think are clever and powerful, the Ayn Rand-style heroes she wrote about in her bloated novels, aren't as clever as we think or they think. They're lucky rather than uniformly brilliant. And quite often, they can be downright stupid. So we try to come up with stories of tech billionaires doing stupid, megalomaniacal things. And all we got was quite obvious stories of Elon Musk finally getting to Mars and discovering that no one else wanted to follow him there, or Jeff Bezos trying to put swarms of drones in the skies, or Mark Zuckerberg believing he could create a new form of money which would replace all other money so he could totally dominate not just our social lives, but our financial lives too. Um, hold on, uh, that last one can't be right, can it? What is the advantage of Facebook to be involved in Libra? Well, Congressman, we build uh, some of the most widely used messaging services around the world, WhatsApp and, and Facebook Messenger. And the vision here is to make it so that uh, people can send money to each other as easily and securely and cheaply as it is to send a text message. So I think that sending money uh, would be a very useful utility to add for people around the world in addition to the, the messaging products that we have. That was the real Mark Zuckerberg answering questions in the US Congress about his plans for something Facebook calls Libra, which in that clip sounds like just another payment system like Apple Pay or PayPal or the hugely popular WeChat Pay and Alipay in Asia. 
Many of us are used to waving our phones or debit cards over terminals and instantly paying for things or using apps to pay people. You have no payments platform on Facebook. Facebook is not a payments platform. Is that correct? Yes. Okay. So in seeking to develop a payments platform, was that because of examples globally of competitors creating payments platforms? Congressman, it was partially that. And it's partially because I view the financial infrastructure in the United States as outdated. So there, there, are, there are two sets of work that we do um, on payments. One is building payment systems um, that allow people to send money on top of the existing financial system that exists. Uh, that work is relatively less controversial. There's another set of work, which is what we're trying to do with Libra, which is trying to help rethink what a modern um, infrastructure for the, for the financial system would be if you, if you started it uh, today rather than you know, 50 years ago with, on, on a lot of outdated systems. Zuckerberg is clearly thinking about replacing what he calls an outdated system of finance with something else. He doesn't just mean the technology that makes modern banking work right now. He's talking about money. All of money. Our money. Mine and yours. His ambition is to take over the money. That definitely is not funny. But what is, is the fact that his approach has been half-baked and not well thought through. To get a better insight into what Libra is and what happened to it, I asked David Gerard, the author of a new book about the subject, to explain. He is a well-respected tech critic known for debunking crazes like Bitcoin and blockchain. His new book is called Libra Shrugged, How Facebook Tried to Take Over the Money. Here's the interview. So there's a thing I say that in cryptocurrency, there is no joke you can make. There is no joke you can make with, that isn't real. Coins on banana, coins for dentistry, Facebook doing a coin, it's all real. Your title echoes Ayn Rand's book, uh, Atlas Shrugged. Was that deliberate? Yep, the title came quite late in the process when people pointed out to me what the book was about. That is, it was about Facebook trying to take over all of money. It wasn't just a silly story about a stupid Bitcoin scheme. It, it sums up what it's about really well. I mean, in Atlas Shrugged, the novel, a group of the world's richest businessmen and, and industrialists go on strike, literally go on strike, under the leadership of someone called John Galt, a typically chiselled and uh, clichéd Randian hero. Do you think Zuckerberg thinks of himself in those terms? That's a good question. I can't read his mind, but he certainly should be treated as a threat on that sort of level. So let's go to, to what actually Libra is or was meant to be. So could you explain what it is or was? The idea is Libra will run its own currency and you can spend it anywhere, particularly on Facebook. You'll have these coins, Libra coins, a coin based on a whole bunch of other currencies. So it'll be its own currency like dollars or euros or pounds. You'd have Libras and they vary in value against all the other currencies like they vary against each other. The idea was to get people thinking in terms of the Libra currency. The trouble with that is that this means that buying things would mean you'd have to do little foreign exchange calculations in your head. Why would you do this? Apparently, they offered a whole new exciting world of payments where you'd have all sorts of amazing innovations where you could wave your phone to buy your coffee or to travel on public transport or whatever. It'd be incredible. You and I are in Britain where we've had this for 10 years, but Americans, this was news to them. And they put this forward as a plan for the world, but in Silicon Valley, it's absolutely standard to look out your window in Menlo Park and base a plan for the entire world on what you see out your window. 
so they went ahead with it because knowing things and reading up on them is vastly inferior to using your personal brilliance to reason from first principles. So were they setting up a cryptocurrency? Is it a cryptocurrency? And if it's not, could you just explain what a cryptocurrency is and then why Libra is different if it is? Libra was started by four Bitcoin fans inside Facebook. Basically, they wanted something like Bitcoin, but run by sensible people, meaning them. Bitcoin is what we call a cryptocurrency. It's basically like digital money that nobody controls. Functionally, think of it as like people have gotten these pieces of paper and there's an automatic process of generating new pieces of paper. And they say the pieces of paper are worth something because they are. I mean, all money is imaginary, right? Bitcoin was weird. It was full of scams. The price goes up and down like a yo-yo. And it wasn't really something that could be used as a currency. So they thought, well, we'd better come up with our own. And they called that Libra. Now, I don't know what plan they took to Mark Zuckerberg that caught his eye, but the bit where Facebook gets to run the world's money, like 2 billion Facebook users, they were thinking in terms of 2 billion people using this thing from the start meant that it would have like a trillion dollars flowing around in it. They would be able to print money, that thing that central banks do under the supervision of governments, which most people would think was a public function. But no, no, um, Silicon Valley will take care of it for you because, you know, it's Facebook. Why wouldn't you trust them? This would give Facebook tremendous power. There was also part of the plan, which was a digital identity scheme, because they said, we want to do this so we can give... 1.7 billion people without bank accounts access to finance, meaning using their Libra crypto coins. They could only do that with some sort of digital identity scheme uh, because a lot of these people can't get into the financial system because they don't have the paperwork. So imagine Facebook administering digital identity for the world. This could lead to a world where if you want to use money, you have to go through Facebook, like any money, not just Libras. Um, so that'd be pretty awesome if you're Mark Zuckerberg. If you're not, it might be a bit of a problem. It does suggest that in a John Galt style, he wanted to dominate our lives, but it was based upon an idea which was very similar to what we already do. It is true that the US banking system, the retail banking system for ordinary people is pretty clunky in a lot of ways. Like it feels weirdly backwards if you go to the US from the UK, right? They still use paper checks. They're trying to modernize the US financial system. It's taking a bit of time. The thing is that you don't need to invent a whole new money run by Facebook to do this. But the other problem wasn't just this. It was like the amount of money in the system, in the Libra system, would have been on the order of a trillion dollars. Like, that's how much money would just have been floating around. Like, you know how when you use PayPal, you might have a bunch of money sitting on PayPal waiting to be used, like someone's paid you in money and you haven't cashed it out yet. That's the float in the system. A lot of people tried to work out how big the float for Libra would be and thought it would be on the order of about a trillion dollars. And the way that Libra said they would invest that, it's like that would be enough money to affect financial markets, affect financial stability in the world. So that's getting a bit esoteric and central bankish. But the thing is that they didn't seem to understand what they were doing. And what they'd actually done was, because they were way too smart to bother reading books or anything, is they came up with a system that was exactly like the money market funds and their instabilities that caused the 2008 financial crisis. So these guys were absolutely arrogant enough to do a whole 2008 again accidentally. 
and none of them seemed to realise this. And governments and regulators and financial ministries were yelling at them, you idiots, you're going to break it all. They went, oh, no, no, it won't be a problem. These are not stupid people. But somehow they decided that reading back into the dim mists of history like 10 years before was too hard or something. That suggests to to me that, again, if we were to satirise it all, it would be a plot to take over the world. And in your book, you say very early on, and I'll quote... Facebook seemed to think that it was large enough and powerful enough to swing a coup against the concept of government control of money. What you're saying suggests that they were very serious about that, and that is why they have this sort of neoliberal Ayn Randian plot to take over the world. Or am I being a bit too bombastic about that? They figured that governments and regulation was just too complicated and they need to work around it. Because, you know, solving social problems with technology is what Silicon Valley does. This is why they hardly ever actually solve them and actually make them worse. I mean, you said money is imaginary, which is... I believe you're right. And that because you can get value from any type of commodity you choose and then link money to it, which is like the gold standard, silver, whatever. And cryptocurrency people seem to believe that uh, strings of numbers are value and that by limiting those strings of numbers, they can then control things like inflation and all all that goes with it. But isn't that also a way of dominating our lives? That's pretty much the idea. With the Bitcoin people, the thing they invented, it was a clever technical trick, was they came up with a way of coming up with digital objects you couldn't just copy and paste. That's actually quite clever. It's pretty impressive. Then they thought, we can use this as money. And they didn't know anything about economics or history. So they thought, we'll do it like a gold standard. And we went off the gold standard because it wasn't working anymore. So at the moment, the situation we have is that a small group of people say what the money is, and that's central banks under the supervision of governments. The thing is, they're public institutions, and they behave and think like public institutions. So there's a responsibility to their country, to their people, to not mess it up. And if the whole economy breaks, then people are really interested in what the central bankers are going to do about it. That's why the solution to the financial crisis was the Federal Reserve had to spray money all over the place just to keep things running. Now, the trouble with having corporations do this is that they're not public institutions. They're doing it in order to make money in a business. And private currencies like that tend not to work out so well. I keep linking everything to Ayn Rand because she is an interesting character who you can satirise quite well. But she had the idea that no man must do something for another man unless there is value in it or for any sense of social solidarity because that then, she believed, was a sort of um, betrayal of individuality and freedom. Do you think that Libra and even Bitcoin Bitcoin are examples of that sort of Randian thinking. They're very closely linked to it. Bitcoin literally came from anarcho-capitalism, which is extreme libertarianism of the same sort as Ayn Rand, and a lot of them are Ayn Rand fans, where they wouldn't just have like a little less regulation. They have no regulation, none whatsoever, complete freedom for business and no regulations or rules whatsoever. And somehow things would keep working. Back here in the real world, society does actually exist. And when you're talking about payments, you're talking about other people's money. And those other people are going to have some very strong opinions about what you do with their money. So if you have banking or financial services, you're always talking about other people's money. There's always going to be rules. People expect that. And if things go wrong with how you handle other people's money, 
they're going to be after your blood. So um, there's a lot of social constraints and that sort of weird extreme libertarianism is just pretending that society doesn't exist. It's a sort of childish tantrum reaction. You've got to think there's also going to be people there too and they're going to have strong opinions. And of course, in Atlas Shrugged, John Galt leads the strike of big industrialists or if he were to update the story, it would be tech on tech billionaires, and they decide not to invest anymore, not to do any work. They take all their money with them to some retreat in Colorado, and they stop funding anything. And the rest of us start to suffer because their great entrepreneurialism has been taken away. And that this is to teach society a lesson not to try and regulate the individual individualistic billionaires. If something like Bitcoin took over and Libra took over, would someone like Zuckerberg be able to do that? Would they be able to hold us all ransom because the money is under their control? They could in theory, but a whole bunch of stuff would have to go really weird and possibly against how people work. I can't overstress just how incoherent the original Libra plan was. None of it made sense if you poked at it even slightly. No one could understand it because they assume these are smart people. They must have some sort of weird 12-dimensional chess reason for all the weird things they're doing. But after a while, thinking about it, I came to realize that there's a much better theory of Libra. That is, that it's actually quite stupid. That it looks stupid because it's stupid. This is an idea that I think is explored not enough. Sometimes things look really dumb as hell because actually they are. So if you look at it that way, then Libra suddenly makes sense. Um, it was bizarre. I don't understand how they managed to forget every smart thing they'd ever known. It's the siren call of Silicon Valley arrogance. These people are very good. They're very creative. And that creativity is power. There's a certain form of stupidity. These aren't dumb, dumb people. These are smart, dumb people. And smart, dumb people can do a hundred times the damage of dumb, dumb people. And yes, yeah, so this is why we found that it is beyond satire, because if you tried to come up with an idea that was stupid enough uh, to ruin the world, you would have to then think that the people who came up with the idea were pretty stupid themselves. And as you say, there's this dichotomy of smart people coming up with stupid ideas. Is this because, as you mentioned earlier, they sit in their Silicon Valley bubble, they look out the window thinking they are very smart, and they seem to forget the fundamentals of the society which has supported them up to that point, and just start focusing on their own narrow interests. I think it's a confusion of luck with deserving it. They don't think that they were lucky in any terms whatsoever to have a talent that happens to be paid a lot of money at this point in history. They think that in a just world, front-end JavaScript developers are just natural gods of humanity. Let's let's go back to Libra. So what did the government say to Mark Zuckerberg about Libra? Every regulator and central banker said, ah, no. What happened to Libra? Where Where is it now? What happened then was, after having every government tell them, no, absolutely not, in no uncertain terms, they went away again. They came up with a much, much cut-down plan, which is the Libra white paper 2.0. They're not going to run the huge basket currency. They're going to run, like, separate national currencies. There'll be a dollar on the Libra system. There'll be a pound. There'll be a euro. They still want to run something like their Libra basket currency. They'll calculate it from the others. Even this plan has met with a lot of barriers because they said, well, you know, all the stuff we said would be a problem, it's still a problem. 
Um, the massive reserve, that it'll be used for money laundering by crooks and terrorists, which is one of the big use cases for Bitcoin, that they haven't properly constructed the system to make this stuff not work because, you know, the real world of finance and moving money around and banking is incredibly regulated. There's a ton of rules. There's laws, there's regulations, there's a lot of it. Because it turns out that if you get this stuff wrong, you have lots of economic disasters and people don't like those. And, uh, you know, having a system that's managed turns out to be good. Like governments love, love it when people start businesses. They love it when people go into finance. They want you to go out and make a great big pile of money with your entrepreneurial spirit. They like that but they want you to also keep to the rules because they know that breaking the rules works out really badly. And Zuckerberg is famous for saying, move fast and break things. And so really deep down, he was trying to break established money so that he could fill the void with his, um, with his idea. And even in a sense, outdo Bitcoin. He wasn't going to, um, to try and be part of Bitcoin or to work with Bitcoin. He probably wanted to go beyond Bitcoin, did he? I doubt Zuckerberg cares about Bitcoin. One of the big lures was they were actually going to, in the Libra 2.0 system, Facebook would have been subsidizing the system, uh, basically because they wanted to run this financial thing so that they'd have a massive, massive trove of personal data. Now, they announced in to Congress that they would not abuse this personal data, that they would not feed data from Libra into the Facebook advertising engine. I don't believe them. I don't believe them based on Zuckerberg's past behavior, which is to take all the data, abuse it, get caught, apologize, say he won't do that again, then do it again. So if he didn't do that with the data from Libra, it would be the first time and I'd be very, very pleased. Isn't he just then going to try and do what he was told he should do, which is just have a Facebook or Messenger way of paying people rather than try and set up a currency? Or is he still obsessed with the currency? Good question. So I think that they still have the dream of harnessing the whole financial system. And I do know that the actual, the main team working on Libra really, really want to make international payments work fast. Unfortunately for them, a whole bunch of new guidance has come out, which means that to obey it, they had to set up a whole bunch of new systems that they couldn't set up before about 2023. So it's held off that long. Until then, they'd have something that was functionally PayPal, but it's Facebook operating inside each country. Is he thinking that his Facebook people who don't use these things, he wants to get them on board, which tend to be, dare I say it, older people, that the audience may be? Or is he thinking that he'll attract a lot of young people to Facebook this way? Good question. One thing they've done is they've recently launched WhatsApp Pay in India. So they originally wanted to do this idea in uh, like 2018 or 2019 with uh, it being based on Libra. So they weren't allowed to run Libra. So instead, they've done it using UPI, which is the payment system that everyone in India uses, like Google Pay is an interface to UPI. Other payment systems are interface to UPI. It's basically how everything connects. WhatsApp Pay is just a front end to UPI, like all the others. But what it's doing that's different is it is not charging fees and that is making it hugely popular. And now people are worrying that Facebook is getting all of this data from a payment system. So I don't know, Zuckerberg might not need Libra, um, but he wouldn't say no to it. So coming back to the idea of trying to satirize this, there probably isn't a way of satirizing it because it's just dumb, as you said. Um, <laughs> so do you think we've found something that is unsatirizable? 
if that's a word. I am sure there are many depths of stupidity to come, but the important thing about cryptocurrency to remember in this connection is it's hard to get stupider than the reality. So now we've certainly got a lot of good material to go and create a satire. Or do we need to? Is Zuckerberg his own satire? Aren't the grandiose schemes and arrogant posturing of many tech billionaires their own parodies? Perhaps. But satirists can do a better job of bringing them down to size and debunking their selfish philosophy. And that's what we'll try to do. We offered David Gerard payment for his interview in Libra, and he tactfully refused. We'll send him a South Mims U mug and pen instead. They're worth more, actually. David's book, Libra Shrugged, is available now on Amazon or from his website, davidgerrard.co.uk slash blockchain. Thank you for listening, and remember, nothing is sacred. Laugh at everything. Goodbye.